0: Welcome all of you. We're live here now today, and I'm thankful that you're here streaming with us. Why don't we take a moment and lift our hands to heaven right where we're at? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. It's a good day because you have made it. Lord, we know that you're directing our steps and ordering our path. I thank you, Father, that you're giving us the strength to endure the process that we're in right now. And Lord, as a nation, We thank you that we can confess the sins of our nation, Lord, and that you will forgive us and heal our land. We, your people, declare this day, Lord God, that we have victory, that we have power, that we have authority over darkness, and that your light will go forth all over this nation. And I thank you, Father, that this day, it's a good day in your presence, and that, Holy Spirit, you are here with us, And that you are giving us understanding of your word as we have some conversations today about deception. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, I hope you're all having a happy Sunday morning today. And I'm going to read the scripture to you, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And I'm going to read the whole chapter. It says, now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we will be gathered to meet him. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them, even if they claim to have had a spiritual vision, a revelation, or a letter supposedly from us. Don't be fooled by what they say, for that day will not come until there's a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction." He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God. Don't you remember that I told you about all this when I was with you? And you know what is holding him back, for he can be revealed only when his time comes. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly and will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. The man of lawlessness will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will kill him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they will believe these lies then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth as for us we can't help but thank god for you dear brothers and sisters loved by the lord we are always thankful that god chose you to be among the first to experience salvation a salvation that came through the spirit who makes you holy and through your belief in the truth He called you to salvation when we told you the good news. Now you can share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. With all these things in mind, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm and keep a strong grip on the teaching we passed on to you both in person and by letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal comfort and a wonderful hope comfort you and strengthen you in every good thing you do and say, amen. Well, this week, a champion of the faith uh, went home to be with Jesus, and uh, we were sad to see uh, Brother Ravi Zacharias pass on to eternity, and he was maybe arguably one of the greatest apologists of at least the last few years anyways, and uh, uh, we're going to miss him. But his ministry is still going on through his uh, ministry that he founded and all the people that he trained up under him. And uh, that's a a powerful witness to the world, a testimony to the world of God's grace and goodness. And then we here, we are going to begin a new conversation with you, a new series on deception and how the enemy works. And how many know that the enemy has some strategies and some plans, and he tries to use deception to deceive you and me and many others. And really, when we look at this in simplest form, at least by definition, it's simply the act of causing someone to accept as true or valid what is in fact false. That's right from Merriam-Webster. Now, how many of you have ever watched a a TV show or a movie and you've got the main character in the movie and they're, or maybe not the main character, but there's always that one character that he's kind of there and they're... They're good, you think, but then they're not really good because they're really deceiving everybody, and they're really evil, and they're working against the people that are really good? Let me think. Uh, How about, you know, especially if you have children, you'll relate to this one. There was a movie that came out some years ago called Frozen. You know, your kids ran around singing Let It Go at the top of their lungs for days and days on end, and you were really tired of that song. But there was a character in there, his name was Hans. And he was a prince that came in from another kingdom and he was very deceptive because you would think that, oh, Anna finally found her true love and she found this really nice man. But he was really an evil man and he had no intention of being kind to her. He just wanted her kingdom. And there was that evil twist or that plot twist that came along. And that's, that's deception that he was operating in and we see this through the different movies, you know, that, in the TV shows, and you see it in the Bible, and you probably even see it in real life sometimes, where people aren't really what you think they are. Paul warns us about this. He warns us very specifically about the devil's schemes in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. He says, so that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. So we know that Satan has some plans, but God has kind of given us some insight into how he operates. And if we're paying attention, and if we're listening to the Holy Spirit, we should be able to discern what's going on or what's happening around us so that we won't fall into his devices, maybe like Eve did. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's go to Revelations chapter 12. In verse 7, it says, Then there was war in heaven, and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. And the dragon lost the battle, and he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent, called the devil, or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world. Did everyone see that? The one deceiving who? The whole world. Was thrown down to earth with his angels. So there's this war going on. Michael and his angels are fighting Satan and his angels. And Satan gets cast out of heaven down to earth. Now, we know that in this passage, uh, the dragon is Satan, and God's people represent the woman, whether you're looking at Israel that brought forth the Messiah, Jesus, but he's ultimately the child, that's the Christ. And Satan is our enemy. Can everyone say enemy? Satan's your enemy. You need to know he's the real enemy, and he's the one that's working even in other people sometimes, and you think they're the enemy, but really Satan is your enemy and he's actively deceiving. He's going around trying to deceive everybody to believe lies about who God is and who they are and and all kinds of things. He deceives people who need the truth about Christ. He tries to keep them in darkness, and he uses deception to do this. He comes as an angel of light, it actually says that in the scriptures, that he comes as an angel of light. We'll read that in a minute. But, it, you know, Lucifer really means um, shining one or day star. Now, there was this interesting Latin phrase that I found called Corum Deo. It's from the Latin. And it means simply in the presence of God. Or now in Christian theology, it has to do with this idea that Christians are living in the presence of God. Note, under his authority and to the honor and the glory of God is how we live and that's really how we're supposed to live in the presence of God under his authority to give him glory and honor but you know until Lucifer fell in pride he really was quorum Deo Lucifer really lived in the presence of God and and then he fell from the presence of God and he was cast out of heaven down to earth but you and I now we live in the presence of God And we experience and we live and move and have our being in him. And he hates us because we took his place as worshipers, as the ones in the presence of God that are worshiping him. And he's doing everything in his power to prevent us from having a relationship with our king. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, I hope you will put up with a little more of my foolishness. This is the Apostle Paul, please bear with me, for I'm jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted, just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. So Paul's got some concerns for this church in Corinth that they're going to fall into deception, just like Eve fell into deception. And then he says, you happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach, or a different kind of spirit than the one you received, or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. Now, we know that Eve was deceived by, remember, the serpent, a.k.a. Satan. And what we saw happen was Eve started creating her own version of truth. She created her own reality under the serpent's, I'm going to say tutelage, or under his prompting. Now, it's interesting to see how quickly she forgot, despite this trickery of Satan, that she still had a choice. You need to understand, Eve had a choice. She still chose to disobey God's command. She knew what the command was, but she chose to disobey it, just like us today because we know what God's Word says, especially those of you that read it on a daily basis. We know what His Word says, but there's people that still choose to disobey God's command. You deceive yourself. Now, we're gonna do a whole lesson on self-deception a little bit later, but see, she was aware of the command not to eat the fruit of the tree, and then she did it anyway. She participated in something that God said, don't do it. Don't eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And she ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. She chose to believe a lie. When you choose to believe a lie, it almost always involves rejecting truth. And then we see that deception always breeds more deception, or it opens the door to more deception. So once you believe one lie, it's really easy for you to fall and believe another lie, and another lie, and another lie. And like Eve, people today choose to reject truth. What is God's command? They choose to believe the lie instead, and even if people preach a different Jesus, a different spirit, or a different gospel, these things are not good for humans. And then I wanna jump down to verse 12, because Paul, you know, it's, it's a whole conversation that he has, and he talks for a little bit in there, but then he goes on and he says, but I will continue doing what I've always done this will undercut those who are looking for an opportunity to boast that their work is just like ours. These people are false apostles. They're deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. But I'm not surprised, even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light, see? So it's no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness in the end. They will get the punishment their wicked deeds deserve. You know, just because someone's standing in a pulpit or on their YouTube channel or preaching a message, it doesn't make them infallible in their doctrine or their practice. The tough part for preachers like me, we have the same grace to live this Christian life that you do. Now, we have an obligation to be examples to the body of Christ, but I don't know that I've met anyone that's arrived yet whether minister or non-minister. I've never met anyone that is perfect in this example. It's sad, but even Ravi had some challenges in the end part of his ministry. There were some complications that came up and some things that were flying around. But see, he's a great gift to the body. Am I going to discredit all of the good things he did because of some of these things that happened in the end when none of us have figured it all out? I mean, the truth is... If you dig deep enough, I think all of us have a few skeletons in the closet. Now, hopefully we buried those skeletons at baptism, right? But I've often wondered how many people tend to tear down ministers and ministries to make themselves feel better, or is it worse where they just wanna justify their sin because, oh, see, the minister can't live the life, so what chance do I have? You have the same chance they do. I guess they're not devout, there's lots of hypocrites over at that church. Well, there's hypocrites everywhere. But that's part of the process and the good news is Jesus came to earth and he died for all of us and we're all working out our salvation day in and day out with fear and with trembling. We have to live a holy life in fact that's what we should strive for that's what we should aim for living a holy life we do pursue relationship with christ you should be pursuing relationship with christ just as i'm pursuing relationship with christ and you know as a minister there's some qualifications that we attempt to uphold according to the scriptures these things qualify you to stand in that office but do not allow the enemy to deceive you no matter who you are, whether minister or not minister, it doesn't matter, whether you're, that you're better than someone else. Because the cross is the great equalizer. Your position, your skills, your talents, your giftings, they all came from the Creator as gifts, and we all stand equal at the cross. We are to do like the Berean believers and study the Bible to make sure the doctrine that we're preaching is true and to make sure that the Word of God that you're hearing is truth and it's fully balanced. That means we read the full counsel of the Word of God, not just little bits and pieces out of their context. There's many times that Satan appears good and right, or ministers appear good and right, but they can be deceiving. Appearances can be deceiving. This is where the key is. Anytime someone is pointing you to truth outside of God's Word, you better have some red flags going up. You better have your radar up. There's lots of people that teach. There's lots of people to teach on the internet. They point you to truth outside of the Word of God. The Word of God is our only truth source. The Bible is the only source of truth that is reliable. Everything else, you can put a big question mark there. I mean, there's one lady that even created her own religion. In John 17, Jesus is praying. and He's praying for his people, he's praying for the disciples. and and right from the prayer jesus right before he's arrested and crucified he's praying and he says now i'm coming to you he's talking to the father he says i told them many things while i was with them in the world so that they would be filled with my joy i've given them your word and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as i do not belong to the world i'm not asking you to take them out of the world but to keep them safe from the evil one they do not belong to this world anymore than I do. Now watch this next verse, make them holy by your truth, teach them your word, which is truth. It's the word of God that is truth. We need to have an understanding of that. We become holy by understanding the word of God, truth, and we have to learn the word and then it is truth. We have to understand that. Just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them in the world and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. The only source we have for truth is God's word, period. Do I get an amen on that? And now we're gonna go on to some of the deception that's happening around us today. Matthew 24, starting in verse three, and I'm gonna work my way through this, but I'm gonna stop at times, so try to follow. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, and his disciples came to him privately and said, tell us, when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return in the end of the world? Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. I don't know about you. I'm going to stop reading the scripture for a second and keep it right there at 6. Has anyone else met a messiah yet? I've met three or four of them in my lifetime. (laughs) I've met some people that think that they're Jesus. And it's very sad because they're delusional or they're deceived or they're, uh, maybe they're ill. You know, I remember one guy, he was trying to convince me that I was the gatekeeper and he needed my signature so that he could come back and set up his kingdom on the earth. And he was just waiting and he had this whole book full of all these people's signatures. I think people just eventually signed to make them go away. There's many people that deceive themselves into thinking that they're deity. And the truth is there's only one God. Going to verse six. Oh, verse four and verse five, by the way, check. There's many people claiming that they're the Messiah and they're deceiving people today. In verse 6, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. yet. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Is that happening? Is there wars and rumors of war? Check. Nation will go to war against nation, people group against people group, right? Kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. Check. Yes, this is happening. But all this is simply or only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Okay, so Jesus is saying this is just the introduction to the end of the age, these things that we see happening around us. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed, and you will be hated all over the world because you're my followers. Eh, kinda check. It's not everywhere yet where Christians are hated, but it's rapidly moving in that direction, even in Canada. In verse 10, and many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. Check. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Check. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. Check. We see this happening. You know, when you've been in a church as long as I have, you see a lot of people come and a lot of people go. And sometimes you think, whatever happened to that person in... And, and, Why did they walk away from their relationship with god says the love of many is going to grow cold before the end happens when you look around you sometimes circumstances and situations in our culture can be quite discouraging personally it's a great opportunity for us to be alive because in the midst of the darkness our light is always going to shine brighter Verse 13, but the one who endures to the end will be saved and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. I don't know that that's quite happened yet because I think there's still a few people groups that haven't got the gospel yet, but we're working on it. We're almost a check. We've almost got this message of hope out to the nations of the world. And then he goes on and he says, if, oh, um, I, want, I want to comment for a second. If someone claims to be your savior, unless he rose from the dead about 2,000 years ago, don't follow him. Many come today in the name of God, but not in the heart of God. They don't come in the power of God. I think back, you know, do you remember the Crusades in the Dark Ages? They did a lot of things in the name of God, but I don't think they did in the, in the, in the heart of God. There was some cruel things that happened during the Crusades. And, and just because someone does it in the name of God doesn't make it right. Um, if you think that Christians are not gonna be persecuted all over the world, you need to read this passage again. If you think that there's not false prophets out there deceiving people today you need to read this again if you think that sin's not going to run rampant in the culture and this can be frustrating when we see this especially when you see a lack of justice in the land but these things were prophesied by christ himself when he was talking about the signs of the end of the age there is unfortunately going to be some people that lose their faith and drop out of the race and i pray that's none of you dear brothers and sisters that are listening today. And then the second part of Matthew 24, Jesus says, the day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. Reader, pay attention. Then those of Judea must flee to the hills. A person out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return even to get a coat. How terrible will it be for pregnant women and nursing mothers in those days? And pray, your flight will not be in the winter or on the sabbath for there will be greater anguish than any time since the world began and it will never be so great again in fact unless the time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive but it's shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones so we see that God's going to shorten this time of calamity for the sake of the righteous ones then if anyone tells you look here's the Messiah there he is don't believe it be careful with some of the things you see Um, false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. I've warned you about it ahead of time. So that tells me that there's going to be some false prophets that come on the scene that work some pretty mighty miracles, and people are going to say, oh, ooh, ah, look at that. But we need to look at discerning the spirit by which they're operating in. That's a not check. Look at If someone tells you, look, the Messiah is in the desert, don't bother to go look. Or look, he's hiding here. Don't believe it. For as lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. Not check. That's not happened yet. Because I'm going to tell you something. When the Son of Man comes, you're going to know. And everyone's going to see. And the people that know him are going to be rejoicing. And the people that don't know him are going to be very afraid. Then he goes on and says, just as the gathering of vultures shows there's a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate the end is near immediately after the anguish of those days. The sun is going to be dark and the moon will give no light. The stars will fall from the sky and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. We haven't seen that happen yet either. And then at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Not check. You're going to know it. You're going to see him coming. And he's going to send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world from the farthest ends of earth and heaven. So here's my point. Jesus has told us kind of what's going to happen. And if you read through the book of Revelation, you know, there's seals and there's, there's the horsemen and there's all the different things that are going to be released upon the earth. And while we have a a plague going on globally right now, I don't know that that's even one of the seals because it's not gonna take a third of the people out or a quarter of the people out. There's some other things that may come that will do that. Or there might be some wars that are gonna happen that will do that. But see, right now where we live today, we can continue to endure what's going on all around us, but we have to be careful not to be deceived by the enemy. And what the enemy's going to try to do is he's going to try to get your eyes off of Jesus and onto other things and other people and their shortcomings. And he's going to try to get you out of love and he's going to try to get you into unforgiveness. He's going to try to make you angry and he's going to try to get you frustrated. And when he can get your eyes off Jesus, you fall into the deception and you don't operate as God wants you to, you operate in the flesh. And that's not going to produce the peaceable fruits of righteousness in your life. The next thing that we see here is doctrinal deceptions are going to happen. In 1 Timothy 4.1, now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. You know, I'm what, forty-seven? I've been in the church forty years, four decades. But I notice something about every ten years, there's this cycle of all the hair all all the bad doctrines come back up, all the heresies come back up again. They they come back around, they get repackaged, they get but every ten years or so there's this um wave of them, you know, and uh One, you know, all this talk of celebrating feasts makes you more spiritual, that's a red flag. Anytime someone tells me you're more spiritual when you do this or when they're looking for deeper revelation, that's a great challenge to me also. That's a red flag word when I hear people say, I want deeper revelation. Just read the book. You'll get all the revelation you need. And there's nothing new under the sun. I don't think there's any new revelation. God gave us all the revelation we need in his Bible, you know, That's the uh, Hebrew Roots movement that I was just referencing. But you know, then there's the hyper grace movement that seems to come around. And it's not always what they say. It's what they omit. It's the glaring omissions of repentance and hell. Those are real doctrines, the doctrine of repentance, because everybody needs to repent of their sin. In fact, you need to repent of your sin and you need to turn your life over to God. That's why Jesus came, to make a way for us to receive forgiveness of sins. And we do that through repentance first and then we accept his sacrifice on the cross as payment for our sin. And then by faith, God allows us to become his children and he grants us eternal life and he puts his spirit within us so we can live a holy life. This is the heartbeat of Christianity. Jesus died for us. He made a way for us to be back in relationship with god through repentance and forgiveness and then we live in the new nature we live a new life empowered by the spirit of god to live holy and that's what christians do and we work to love people and we share the hope that we have with others at any rate maybe you've never had a chance to repent of your sin and give your life to god maybe you're listening today and you're like hmm This message doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I'm gonna explain it to you this way. When you're in God's kingdom, he lights your spirit with his. You get born again. You become lit from the inside. You get a new nature. And it's with the new nature that you have understanding of the things that God talks about. In your old nature, it doesn't make sense to you. That's why the Bible says the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those that are on their way to destruction because they don't understand a life of sacrifice. They don't understand why Jesus would be willing to lay down his life for others. But maybe if you're listening today and you've never repented of your sin, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right this moment. And I'm just going to pray a very simple prayer. Father, please forgive me of my sins. I confess them to you. I ask you, Lord, to save me, and I thank you that you went to the cross and died for my sins so that I could be forgiven and receive eternal life. So help me now to be empowered to live the Christian life and share the love of Jesus with others. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed that prayer, um, I want to encourage you, contact us. You can privately message the moderator online and Give us an email address or a phone number, and we'll have one of our pastoral team call you and talk about some of the first steps in Christianity and how you can uh, live the Christian life. And if you want to learn more about our church, you can do that too. Now, Galatians chapter 1, verse 5. I'm shocked that you're turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You're following a different way that pretends to be the good news but it's not the good news at all you're being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning christ you know and there's all kinds of messages out there but some of those messages are not consistent with what the word of god teaches so you can't just believe anyone because it sounds good and because you like what it says you want to make sure that it's not a message that's only going to tickle your ears you want a message that's going to prick your heart because there should be some conviction along there with the faith and the hope. And it's the two together that we get a good balanced word of God. And and let God's curse, he says, fall on anyone, including us or an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. So if someone is trying to preach salvation outside of Christ, they're trying to point to truth outside of God's word, you know, Paul says, let there be a curse on them. I say again, What we've said before, if anyone preaches any good news other than the one you welcome, let that person be cursed. Ouch. The Bible puts a curse on anyone that's twisting the scriptures, freaks a message that doesn't line up with God's word, especially the ones that twist it to their own benefit. I want to go over here to Philippians chapter 1 now. In verse 9, I pray that your love will overflow more and more One of the best ways for us to not be deceived is for us to continue to grow in knowledge and understanding of God and his ways. And the way that we do this is we stay close to his word. We hide his word deep in our heart and we spend time studying and reading the Bible. And as you spend time in the truth from the word of God, it's going to transform your mind. It'll transform the way you think because your thoughts will start aligning with God's thoughts and your purpose will align with God's purpose for your life. You know, I hope that you had a chance to prepare your communion elements a little bit earlier, uh, but I would like to go to communion at this point, point. and if you have the bread in your hand, you know, on the night he was betrayed, Jesus broke it, and I just want to pray, Father, I thank you that as we have the bread in our hands today, representing your body that was broken, Lord, I ask that anyone that's in the thralls of deception, anyone that's believing a lie that you're going to illuminate truth to them right now, that you're going to show them the path of destruction that they're on and let them come back to the light. Father, I ask for each person here that is sick, that your word has come and by your stripes we're healed and I proclaim healing, health and life over everyone that is sick in the name of jesus and because of your brokenness you made a way for us to be whole and father for anyone that's struggling in their mind depression anxiety discouragement maybe they're feeling lonely and rejected today let hope arise let life arise let faith arise Let the love of God flow into each and every person that's listening today and demonstrate your power, Father, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. And he took the cup, which represents the new covenant, his blood that was spilled for us, and I'm going to tell you there's power in the blood of Jesus. It purchased our freedom, and it washed away our sins. So Father, as we've applied the blood of Jesus to the doorposts of our life and then we've received forgiveness, I thank you for the freedom that we walk in. And Lord, those that have come out of deception, I thank you that they're now in truth and that the light is shining on their life and help them to continue to stay on that path. Father, I thank you that those that are blinded to the truth, that you can open their eyes, especially the lost that we know, Lord, that need to know you and they need a touch from you. Show them the way. Reveal yourself to them. And Father, I thank you that your power is being released and that we can go forth with boldness and with courage and with confidence, standing firm on the truth of your word, and we can overcome any obstacle that the enemy would set in our way by your grace and for your glory. In Jesus' name. Don't log off quite yet couple things. Uh, I'd like to take this opportunity now to receive our tithes and our offerings. And I thank you, Windsor Christian Fellowship, for your faithfulness in this area. And we know that God loves a cheerful giver, and we want to give with joy. And despite what's going on all around us, God is preserving his people, and he's making a way for them. And I've heard person after person that's told me, you know, God is keeping me working, God is blessing me, God is helping me with my bills. And uh, He's the way maker, and if you trust him with your finances, you will see that he will make a way for you. And maybe if you don't go to our church, but if you'd like to give a donation to continue the ongoing ministry that we have here, we would appreciate that as well. I want to pray, and then I have a brief announcement. Father, I thank you today in faith, Lord. We can sow into your kingdom. I thank you, Lord that today as we put seed forth, that it's going to go into good ground and that the word of God is going to go out to our city, our nation, and the nations of the earth and that the gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached and many people, Lord, are going to be transformed as a result of our giving. Thank you, Lord, that you're faithful to us, you rebuke the devourer, and we have an open heaven over our lives, that the hedge is up on every side for those, Lord, that have covenanted with you in tithing and offerings. And we thank you this day that we operate in blessing and not curse, and that this day we can celebrate our covenant with you. In Jesus' name, amen. And finally, I just want to tell you guys, stay tuned. Over the next few weeks, we're going to cover things like discerning the truth, self-deception. We're going to talk about the Antichrist. We're going to talk about some confusion. Maybe we'll add a few more. But right now, as I talked about in my video this week, I do want to encourage all of you. We want to operate in love. We shouldn't be arguing and fighting with one another. You know, we have to walk in love. And people may have different opinions than you on some things or different opinions than me on some things, but we can still treat them with honor and respect and kindness. So I want to encourage all of you. Let's let the law of love go forth and let's demonstrate the life that Christ has given us. Amen. Have a great week, everyone. We'll look forward to seeing you next time. Crying. Unless they are tears of joy for a Christian Felsch's podcast. Now available on Spotify, Apple Music, and Google Play. Warning, the effects of listening to WCF's podcast may cause excitement and incomprehensible joy. And obviously, tears of gratitude. If you experience any of these symptoms, please consult your friends and tell them how much you love these podcasts. Obviously. Now available on Spotify, Apple Music, and Google Play. Windsor Christian Felsch's podcast.